This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And I'm Annie Reese. And today, with the winter holidays approaching, we wanted to talk about more holiday food traditions. Like the jelly donut. Yeah. Also, Annie might have a mild donut obsession. You buy 24 donuts from Voodoo at midnight on a work trip one time, and you've got a donut obsession. I also like to just bring donuts. Yeah, but I'm not just talking about the Voodoo donuts. I... (laughs) Is this an intervention? I it's not. It's not. No, it's terrific. Oh my good, that would be great though. An in podcast an intervention. Podcast intervention. No, no, no. Your love of donuts is fine and well balanced with the rest of your life choices. Thank you. But <laughs> you're very welcome. Uh, but okay. So wait a second. Uh, since when are jelly donuts a holiday food? I don't know. I have to admit, I I, I didn't know this until you you taught me, you schooled me. I missed it as well until just a few years ago, but there are donuts called sofganiyat, uh, singular sofganiyat, that are this type of jelly-filled, deep-fried yeast dough donuts uh, served around Hanukkah, mostly in Israel. The dough is soft and a little melty on the inside and a little crisp on the outside, and they're frequently coated in powdered sugar, served either warm or room temperature. They sound good. They do. Do sound good. They're also very similar to the German pastry, the Berliner, which is eaten on New Year's Eve. 
and in parts of Spain and Latin America, bodiellos, uh, which are donut-type things that may or may not be filled with jam or custard, are popular around Christmas. This may also be where the um, French New Orleans beignets come from. Ooh, I do love a good beignet. Oh, yeah. And other fried dough desserts do pop up around various winter holidays, but I'm kind of trying to stick with filled donut fried pastries here so I don't go totally crazy. Yeah. But we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the uh, punchki of Polish traditions and the fastnuts of uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch, though both of those are eaten around uh, fat or shrove Tuesday or Thursday, which happens in the late winter, early spring. Mm -hmm. In all cases, however, these treats are a symbol of luck for various reasons. I mean, also just fried things are tasty. Yes. And because of our love of fried things, there are also non-holiday versions of the jelly donut for any day of year. You've got Kropfen in Austria, Bismarck in the American Midwest, Boule de Berlin in France, <laughs> France, in France, in France, Italy's Kropfen, and a bunch more, some of which we'll be discussing a bit later. My favorite name for one of these things is Germany's semi-erstwhile Fastnachtkultschen. Oh. Fastnachtkultschen. Yes. <laughs> Just because of the name. It's a pretty excellent name. Yeah. It's all yeah. one word and capitalized because German. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Obviously, there is just the jelly donut, too. And to be clear, we are talking about the jelly donut. We'll come back to donut. Oh. Yeah. We'll come back to donut one day. <laughs> <laughs> this wouldn't be a food stuff without some kind of weird food record. So here it is. The largest Sufgania was constructed in Jerusalem in 1995, coming in at 35 pounds, five pounds of which were jelly. Oh, ugh. However. I just got creeped out. <laughs> she, she did. She, like, retreated in on herself. <laughs> uh, a few years earlier, in 1993, the Guinness Book of World Records listed a jelly donut made in Utica, New York, as weighing a staggering 1.7 tons. My blood pressure just went up. Picturing it. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that I'm prepared to deal with that. Yeah. On like an emotional level. I think I think I'd pass out <laughs> if I saw it. I don't know. <laughs> it would be for the best too, because I don't need to be tackling no. a one point seven ton jelly donut. Picturing Annie just taking a running leap <laughs> straight into it. And then falling <laughs> just all the way back. <laughs> oh no. Okay. I'm glad I, I wasn't around for this, basically. So, let's talk some history. Yeah. According to a story out of Israel, the jelly donut was sort of a conciliatory gift God gave to Adam and Eve after kicking them out of the Garden of Eden. <laughs> because don't we all crave donuts during difficult times <laughs> and happy times mm -hmm. and all the time? Mm -hmm. Again, the point being, a jelly donut is pretty well liked. Whether or not that's uh, an accurate depiction of how humans uh, got jelly donuts, uh, yeast-raised <laughs> bread, as we've discussed before, developed in tandem with beer brewing 5,000 years ago or more. Some of these were surely sweetened breads. Uh, sometimes the, fr the dough got fried in oil instead of being baked. And uh, fruit preserves made with honey have probably been around for about as long. It wouldn't have been until about the turn of the BCE-CE switchover, though, that uh, sugar would have been used, as that is when the sugarcane refinement process saw development. Meanwhile, all around the world, people noticed that winter is coming. Or Game rather... <laughs> 
Well, I mean, they noticed that it that it came once a year uh, on our planet. I see. Yeah, uh, you know, the the days got shorter, which was probably terrifying when you weren't sure why that was happening, and and furthermore, everyone had to bundle up and you know make their own fun in order to get through the cold months with their sanity intact. And then when the weather started lightening up again, you know, that's a pretty good reason to have another party. Yeah. What I'm saying is that basically all humans have held rituals and celebrations to stave off the dark and celebrate life at the beginning and end of winter, basically forever. Makes sense. One European tradition of particular interest to jelly donuts, (laughs) and I love that sentence so much, um, is the carnival, which is said to date back to ancient Babylonia, like circa 2600 BCE. This uh, was a festival that celebrated mirth and change through satire by making a show of role reversals. There would be a parade through the streets. A pair of peasants would be royalty for the day and royalty would act like fools. Pranks were played. Folks would wear costumes depicting social classes other than their own. And everybody partied. These traditions were incorporated into and or disseminated through uh, Grecian and Roman cultural traditions like the Bacchanalia and Lupercalia and Saturnalia, and then through Christian traditions, especially Catholic ones. During the Middle Ages, maybe like 900 to 1300 BC, not BC, CE, these traditions became super popular through Europe, and then colonization brought them to the Americas. And the concepts show up modernly in everything from Brazil's Carnival to New Orleans Mardi Gras and the Pennsylvania Dutch's Fastnacht. This is in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, I believe. Is it? And I'm just realizing that because I watched that for the first time since childhood recently. Oh, I've never yes, seen it. Yes, I watched the Disney movie. I did not read the book. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they have this, the parade of fools. Is that what it was? Yeah. Where they switch? Yeah. It's all making sense. Thank you, Jelly Donut episode. (laughs) Who knew? I didn't. Oh, man, Jelly Donuts. Um, in parts of what's now Germany and Austria, mostly probably, uh, the Carnival is a season that starts on November 11th at 11, 11 a.m. and runs all the way through the beginning of Lent in the spring, uh, with most of the partying done during the last week as everyone prepares to be all solemn again. Lent, if you don't know, represents the 40 days between the death and resurrection of Christ and frequently involves fasting, mm-hmm. being being serious. Um, somewhere along the line, fried yeast donuts filled with jelly became associated with the holiday, perhaps because folks were trying to use up rich ingredients like lard that they wouldn't be allowed to use during Lent. Yeah, perhaps. And speaking of Germany... <laughs> The country played an important role in the next step of the Jelly Donuts history. And we'll talk about that after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. 
If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. We're back with a cookbook. Oh. Yeah. 1485's cookbook, Küchenmeisterei, or <laughs> Mastery of the Kitchen, published in Nuremberg and translated into Polish in 1532, became a bedrock cookbook for the medieval Europe. For the medieval Europe. For <laughs> medieval Europe. And one of the first printed via Johannes Gutenberg's fancy new printing press. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it featured a recipe for Gefutte Kropfen, the first written recipe for a jelly donut. It was more like a fried jelly sandwich, though. Uh, it was two rounds of yeast bread with jelly in between that was then fried in lard. That translation to Polish thing was crucial to the development of the punchki in Poland, and they were also popular for Christmas and Hanukkah. The Yiddish word for this was ponchiks. Oh, I hope I'm getting that correctly. And of note, the Yiddish word for the unfilled version was donat. Um, to get around the non-kosherness of lard, they were often fried in goose fat, oil, or schmaltz. Specifically for Hanukkah, fried treats like this are embraced because of the symbolism of oil. Uh, the holiday is the Festival of Lights, and it celebrates the story of this miracle in which one night's worth of lamp oil lasted for eight nights while practitioners rededicated a temple that had been profaned. Um, though whether punchki were part of Hanukkah traditions or were just, like, available around the same time in Poland, and therefore people ate them sometimes, is up for debate. Mm-hmm. Since sugar was quite expensive at the time, most donuts were filled with savory stuff like meat or cheese. So putting in sweet things is pretty new and extravagant. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, meant it was a treat to be indulged in around holidays. Until the 16th century, when the price of sugar fell with the influx of sugar from the Caribbean. Uh, jams and jellies grew in popularity as the price of sugar fell. And soon, pretty much every country in Europe had a type of jelly donut. They were still fairly difficult to make and relegated to holidays and special occasions until the invention of the metal pastry syringe in Germany, which simplified, cheapified, and needified the process of making jelly donuts. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, also, according to legend, uh, Marie Antoinette, who was originally from Austria, introduced jelly donuts to the French court where they were a big hit. Mm-hmm. Berliners, the term anyway, has been around since the 19th century in Germany. And there's a story out of 1756-ish detailing the resolve of a patriotic baker deemed unfit for service in the Prussian military. 
but he was allowed to stay on as a baker in the field. A baker in the field. He had to figure <laughs> out a method of baking without an oven, however, since ovens generally weren't part of a military's equipment. So he turned to frying things using an open fire, and the soldier named these things after the baker's hometown. At first, it was a pretty broad term, but over time, it came to mean only filled fried donuts. And I believe what Lauren mentioned earlier, jelly donuts were um, often associated with Strove Tuesday, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, in March and April, around this time as well. That that association started, was existing, continued to exist. <laughs> as the 19th century ended, jelly donuts picked up the name Bismarck's, allegedly named after Chancellor Otto von Bismarck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe. Sure, yeah. Or possibly the similarly shaped German U-boat, the Bismarck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or possibly neither of these things. Mm. Yeah. With the immigration of Central Europeans to the American Midwest, parts of Canada and Boston, you started to get Bismarcks in those areas. Um, they picked up even more names as they spread, too. Long Johns, Jam Busters, Jam Donuts. The term jelly donuts first popped up in the U.S. around this time, too. Ah, jam busters. I know. I love jam busters. Right? Mm. <laughs> the donuts also kept the name Ponchki in several communities of Polish-Jewish immigrants around the globe, including one in Australia. Polish immigrants in Israel bought with them the tradition of eating jelly donuts for or around Hanukkah and soon began calling them sufganiyat, referring to the Talmud's sufgan, a sort of spongy dough. Mm-hmm. And the root of the words svenge and sufganiyat most likely trace back to the Greek word for spongy, sufan. Uh, there's also a similar word in Arabic and also the Hebrew word uh, sulfeg, which also means kind of like absorb or sponge, um, all of which probably root from the same word. Probably. Anyway. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Possibly sufganiyat got their inspiration from deep fried balls of dough eaten during Hanukkah by the Jewish community in northern Africa. Uh, they had migrated there in the 1800s and picked up a sponge, that, uh, that, that spongy fried dough, from the locals. Some Jews who have since migrated away from the area still eat sponge as a Hanukkah delicacy. By the way, uh, apricot, raspberry, and strawberry are some of the popular fillings for Sofganiyat. Mm. The Israeli Labor Federation the Histadrut, named Sufganiyat the official food of Hanukkah over the latke in the 1920s. And the reason had to do with the labor involved in making, transporting, and marketing the thing. Latkes, the other contender, were relatively easy to make at home. It's like a little fried potato pancake, yes. kind of like a hash brown, like mm-hmm. a singular hash brown. A singular hash brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Sufganiyat, uh, it was kind of difficult, and most people would rather go to professional baker than take on that endeavor. I know I would. I would, too. <laughs> um, and this was, as you may surmise, very successful. In 2009, around 18 million Sufganiyat were consumed in the weeks leading up to and during Hanukkah. During those eight days, the Israeli Defense Force buys 50,000 Sufganiyat a day for soldier morale. Oh, Seventy percent of the sufganiyat in Israel are jelly-filled, but other fillings have become more common, including the Brazilians' preferred filling of dolce de leche, which made its way back to Israel. I've also heard that, like, anything goes, like, up to, like, like foie gras, champagne cream, gold leaf toppings. How extravagant. Right? Woof. I love it. <laughs> I, want a, I want a foie gras donut. Mm, mm-hmm. 
1941, the Washington Post reported on a crime the jelly donut helped foil. Ooh, more je- jelly justice. Jelly justice. Excellent. Bum bum. <laughs> okay, so here is the quote. Jelly-filled donuts were the downfall today of a man attempting to rob a bakery at Pistol Point. First, Mrs. Pauline Keller, 52, and spry for a grandmother, swung a bag of donuts and knocked the gun from his hand. Then her screams brought her husband from a rear room. The bandit turned to flee but slipped on a jelly-covered dunker and skidded feet first into a woman customer entering the front door. He was captured. <laughs> I, I feel like that, that needed to have been read in, uh, in the transatlantic accent. That's the bandit turned to flee, but slipped on a jelly-covered dunker and skidded feet first into it. Yeah, I'll stop now. That's we do love the transatlantic a- accent in this office. It's pretty lovely. It is. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, once World War II ended, a sizable amount of Polish immigrants settled in Detroit, and to this day, Punchki Day is celebrated on Fat Tuesday in Detroit. And now we're going to talk about fire safety laws. Oh, fire! Oh. Yeah, aren't you excited? Why I, aren't you excited? I'm. I am actually very excited about fire safety. Aren't we all? But first, one last break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you, sponsor. Okay, so fire safety laws. Here we go. As we started to implement these in the U.S., it precluded a lot of bakeries from being able to make their own donuts. Mm -hmm. Fryers are a whole category. Yeah, Yeah, pretty dangerous. 
can be. Uh, this led to a spate of specialty donut shops who could then sell their products not only to customers, but to other bakeries who couldn't make their own. Ah. In Massachusetts in the 1940s, William Rosenberg, the son of Jewish immigrants, worked in industrial catering, and he went around selling snacks out of these converted trucks near factories usually, and he observed that 40% of his sales came from coffee and donuts. So in 1948, he opened a donut shop in Quincy, Massachusetts, America's Donut Heartland, according to what I read, Hmm. and he called it Open Kettle. He targeted blue-collar workers and had the ambitious aspiration of offering 52 donut varieties, one for each week of the year. Oh, my goodness. And two years later, Rosenberg changed the name to Dunkin' Donuts. Wait. Yep. That Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, Mm-hmm. Five years later, Rosenberg started franchising, buying out his skeptical business partner slash brother-in-law. And you could find 100 Dunkin' Donuts by 1963 and 1,000 by 1979. Wow. England's Allied Lions bought Dunkin' Donuts and its 1,850 locations in 1988. And the aforementioned previous business partner... He started a competing donut shop. I'm sure that their family get-togethers were not intense at all. Wow. Uh, The first donut franchise to get kosher supervision at some of its branches called Mr. Donut in 1956. Wait, that Mr. Donut? That Mr. Donut. Ah, Mm -hmm. Donut Feud. (laughs) Donut Feud. Ooh. (laughs) 5,000 Dunkin' Donuts were up and running by the time of Rosenberg's death, and 40 of them were kosher supervised, altogether boasting... Two million customers a day. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? Dunkin' Donuts. And this episode gave me an excuse to look up something I've always wondered. The The spelling. The spelling. The correct spelling of donut. So donut, the longer one, um, was the original. The shortened one has existed since the 1800s, but it was Dunkin' Donuts. That brought it to the cultural psyche. Wow. Yeah. Donut is still the preferred spelling with With donut. The long one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm acting as if you can see what I'm envisioning in my head. Yes. Donut, the preferred spelling is the long one, with the shorter one used only about one-third of the time in American writing. Hmm. But I've been using them interchangeably throughout this entire outline. I'm I'm lazy, so I just say D-O-N-U-T. Yeah, but but doesn't it? It gives you the little red underline of not spelled correctly. (laughs) (laughs) I learned to ignore those a long time ago. I should take a page out of Lauren's book. Uh, or spell things correctly. That's nice, too. I'll think about that later. Okay. But for now, let's step back a bit. Uh, the year is 1963. Oh. Yes. JFK delivers a famous speech, the most recognizable line from which is easily, Ich bin ein Berliner. Now, JFK had a reputation for mincing pronunciations in other languages, and man. Oh, Yeah. We can relate. Oh, yeah. This this episode alone, I'm sure. I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah. We do our best. We do. We looked it up. We did, and so did he. He even wrote out the phonetic pronunciation of Berliner the same way that we did in this one and in the Sour Beer episode. He deviated from the speech written for him in over 75% of the lines. He thought it wasn't tough enough on the Soviets. With the help of his German interpreter... JFK decided to be more direct in his point about democracy's role in the global stage and went with Ich bin ein Berliner. And over the years after that, all of these news stories sprang up claiming that what he said was, I am Jelly Donut. 
<laughs> and that the only reason Germans didn't laugh was because the situation was too tense. However, the area around Berlin didn't really use the term. They instead used the more fun Fankuchen. I just did a like fun a fun gesture <laughs> along with it. Speaking of, yes. Yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. of fun. Um, <laughs> a spy novel called The Berlin Game written in 1983 may have helped give rise to this jelly donut mishap myth when it mentioned that German cartoonist went to town making fun of JFK for the incident. Which they did not. No. No. Uh, then in 1988, the Times ran with an editorial previously appearing in Newsweek titled, I am jelly-filled donut, which kind of solidified the whole thing. It was one of the first things that popped up when I searched jelly donut, and I wasn't sure why, but now I know seems that it's just a myth, though. Yeah, it's just a, a – yeah, well, I mean, he he said – I mean, Berliner does mean jelly yeah. donut, and he did say, I am a Berliner. Right. But everyone understood. Yeah, and in Berlin, where he was right. giving the speech. It wasn't really called that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really inspiring speech. It was it was like the, the, the best, proudest thing you could ever say is to say that I am a Berliner. We are all Berliners. We are all Berliners, yeah. We so, are all jelly donuts. We are all jelly donuts. Yeah. And I guess when you think about it, we are. There's so many layers to this. It's filled with layers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> The type of things that we're filled with are different than donuts, though. I've heard that a Kropfen in Germany are traditionally filled with rosehip jam. And I've also heard that sometimes, as a prank, folks will fill a few with mustard and just mix them in with the regular ones. Surprise your friends. Oh, man. I really want to do that. <laughs> and I'm not sure what it says about me. Oh, no. Whoa, why did I give you this idea? Hey, you were the one that was playing that Birdie Bot's terrible Russian roulette Bean game yesterday. <laughs> bean boozled. Oh, excuse me. Bean boozled. Yeah. That's about what we have to say about jelly donuts. Yes. Like we said, we will come back and do to, donuts. To other donuts later. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was, there was too much. We had to, we had to concentrate. Yes. Donut holes. Oh, no. Yes. Goodness. It's going to okay. be really good. But if, uh, anyone listening to this around one of the many holidays or traditions that include jelly-filled donut of some type. I hope that uh, this gives you many facts to annoy your friends and family with and that yes. you enjoy enjoy yourself and enjoy a jelly donut. Oh, man. I've never had a had a like punch key before. I'm really, really looking forward to finding some. I'm thinking that we should do that and then post it on social. Oh, that's a great plan. Then it's work and research. <laughs> yes, research. Right. But this brings us to our listener mail. Listener mail. All right. Hannah wrote in, I've really been enjoying the ongoing series of listener mail about finding familiar food when you're abroad. Oh, yay. That was specifically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, It it reminded me of a story uh, my dad always tells me from when he was in the Marine Corps. My dad was a a logistics guy packing things up after Desert Storm was over in 91. He was stationed near a little town five kilometers north of the port of Jabal. Because he was a logistics officer... He had a list of local vendors for supply purposes, and one of those vendors was, of all things, a pizza place. He and another corporal were feeling restless and homesick, so they resolved to order a pizza. He and the other corporal called the number and were pleased to discover that the man on the other end, A, spoke English, B, would accept American currency, (laughs) and C, would deliver to the place they were camped. Heck yeah. They ordered a large cheese pizza with pepperoni and sausage and were told that it would be 45 minutes. After about an hour, when they started to be afraid that no pizza was forthcoming, (laughs) a man puttered up in a little car and gave them the pizza. 
My dad and the other corporal tipped the man generously and opened the box. The crust, my dad said, was very good, and the sauce was a normal tomato sauce. But the cheese was goat cheese, not the crumbly kind, but as my dad puts it, a goat approximation of mozzarella. <laughs> the pepperoni and sausage were both made of chicken ground with fennel, no pork or beef, which was a lot like what they'd, they'd been eating for weeks as breakfast sausage. <laughs> it was about as unpizza-like as pizza could be. Despite this, the two of them polished it off in about 40 minutes. Uh, he said that when you're away from home so long, you'll accept anything that's pretty close. His exact words are, it was odd but tasty. Oh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've i kind of gone on a weird... Uh, I really want to know the history of food delivery. Oh. Um, so when she sent this, it got me thinking about just delivery in other countries and ordering pizza, like... Just a series of looking what you'll get when you order delivery pizza in a bunch of different countries. Anyway, great. I love this story. And yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Alex also sent us this lovely note. I was listening to your rice episode, and when you were talking about cooking rice, my ears perked up when I heard Annie say, Constant Vigilance, and reference Mad-Eye Moody from the Harry Potter series. You see, I am a Potter superfan, and my bearded dragon named Mad-Eye was sitting next to me while I listened. Naturally, I turned and told her you guys were talking about her, and in response, she just stared at me because, well, she's a lizard. But, ah, uh, Alex sent us pictures of her lizard of Mad-Eye. Bearded, and, bearded dragon, mad eye. Yeah, and uh, we got him while we were out, and we both freaked out in public. <laughs> Very cute. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, Thanks for sending. Yes, yes. Uh, thank, thank you, thank you both for writing in. If you would like to do that thing, you can as well. Yes, our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Foodstuff HSW, stands for How Stuff Works. We're also on Instagram at Foodstuff. Oh, thanks to our audio producer, Dylan Fagan. Uh, he's a little bit of a mad eye as well. He is. You can see through walls, I bet. I've long suspected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a weird compliment, but I'm going to roll with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we hope to hear from you, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 